0: My name is Vivian Knabel. I've always been a seeker and a searcher. I'm passionate about studying the works of great poets and philosophers. They have helped me make sense of the world and their wisdom allows me to cope in flexible ways with the challenges that life throws my way. I have overcome many hurdles and achieved the peacefulness of a truly loved and appreciated life. Welcome to lessons learned in life and love. Welcome to my podcast, Lessons Learned About Life and Love. I hope to inspire my listeners with life lessons through positivity, hope, faith, and the philosophies of great minds. Here we open our minds in a way that brings us together. I'm your host, Vivian Knabel, joined my two, by my two co hosts, Larry Sands and Eric Kaslov, who are also filmmakers. I'm excited to introduce today's guest, David Richards. He is a life strategist and the number one international best-selling author and speaker on personal development. His most current book is entitled Love Letters to the Virgin Mary. It sold over a million copies. This story offers a different exciting view on life. It is a pursuit of higher meaning. Reading this book is helpful to discover what is possible within your life to take charge and command your destiny. Welcome, David.
1: Vivian, thank you so much for having me. What an introduction. Wow, I'm excited to be here. And
0: and congratulations. You are a very successful person and uh, having sold uh, over a million copies, being an international bestseller. What I love about you, I love, first of all, your depths, you're the most interesting person, but you're also giving back. And you, the proceeds, half of the proceeds you gave to your favorite charities. One is, uh, what is it, uh, Wounded Warriors, is it? The, one the wing, Wounded Warriors Project, and, yes. And the other one, si- child sex trafficking. Uh, to That's correct. stop that, yes. And that is a big deal. We must never, when we become successful, never to forget where we came from and to give back. And that's, uh, right. what, and that's
1: still ongoing it's still ongoing too that's yep.
0: that's a wonderful thing and um tell us a, a little bit about your your life you come from a military family i hear and uh i do so i do tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah so uh, first thank you so much for having me on it's a pleasure to speak with you and your audience uh, i grew up in the military so i was born in uh way back in ancient times in 1969 and <laughs> In the United States, obviously, that was a very interesting time because the Vietnam War, we were right in the middle of the Vietnam War, and it wasn't going the way our other wars had gone, and people were starting to become disenchanted with the idea that we were sending people over to a small country uh, to fight a foreign war, kind of. Um, But my dad had served in Vietnam, uh, and so growing up in the military, you have a very different perspective of the world because... You know, it's kind of like those old TV shows where you see everyone come out to work or out of their homes at the same time and they're all dressed the same and they get into their cars and they go off and drive to the office. That was kind of what military life was like except everybody wore the same exact uniform every day and so um, You just grew up. I grew up in a point where, you know, it was common to see helicopters or jets flying overhead, military jets, because they were just, there was always training going on. And that really shaped my view of the world. I didn't understand. I spent a very limited amount of time in my childhood uh, in the civilian community, like living among civilians. Most of the time it was on military bases. And that's just a very different way to grow up. And that had a huge impact on me as I grew up and, and just shaped my perspective of the world
0: yeah that is amazing and you got to see a lot of the world you got to see I a did. lot of the world and that is so uh, so very important and i love the the idea how you evolved you know you were you did some pretty amazing things in that uh, 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 what was it uh, the uh, desert storm was no what was it called that
1: i was that, so i was actually in restore hope in somalia so i was yeah so i first that was uh, a uh, when i was huge thing Yeah, well, first, when I was 10, we moved to Japan, Okinawa, Japan, and that was amazing because you realize, you know, I I look back now and I realize a fraction of a percentage of people get to do that, but we lived on the island of Okinawa, Japan for three years, and as a kid, I mean, it was just cool because the toys were different, the candy was different, You know, we could travel 10 minutes and be surrounded by coral reefs on the beach. I mean, and it was it got cold in the wintertime, but it was otherwise it was an island and it was fascinating. And just, you know, that was a stepping stone for us to go see the Philippines and to go to South Korea. And all this happened when I was in my formative years becoming a teenager and then coming back to the States. It made me appreciate that. Oh, my gosh, so few of people my age have had that opportunity and exposure. (laughs) Um, I wanted to write, I always wanted to write, I just kind of, uh, I got into comic books, probably when I was nine or 10 years old. And that was kind of what I took with me, my imagination is what I took with me as we moved all the time. Um, but not knowing really what it meant to be a writer, to be an author, but you already had in your mind
0: what you wanted, you already I did. had a seat there. There was already oh, a seat. The, yeah, the seat yeah, was, yeah, 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 yeah
1: the seed was definitely planted, but I didn't know how to make that dream a reality. And so not knowing what life outside the military was like, I said, well, I'm just going to stay in the military then. So I went to Penn State for my undergrad, but I was on an ROTC scholarship, which is a pipeline feeding into the Marine Corps. And I followed my dad's footsteps and joined the Marines. And within, you know, I was commissioned as an officer in 1991. And by December of 1992, I was part of the initial landing force, uh, landing in Somalia on December 9th, 1992. So we just celebrated 30 years last December, but I was 23 years old and leading Marines into combat. And that was a tremendous, uh, tremendous experience.
0: You had already then a big life and then you evolved. And you, uh, from what I understand, when you got out of the Marine, um you you liked um horror stories right you wrote like to write horror stories was that it yeah but, but i did also I, yeah yeah but then you also went into poetry
1: i well so i i had majored in english when i was in college and it was i kind of felt like that was my swan song i'm like it's not my my thinking was it doesn't really matter what I major in because I'm going to be a Marine and my life is going to be on temp loan to the United States government for an extended period of time. Um, But I love I always love writing. And so when I joined the Marines, I put writing behind me because I thought it's childish. And when you're a Marine, there's a lot that goes into being a Marine and figuring out what that and means. Concentration. Yes, you absolutely, I can imagine. Absolutely. Yes, yes. But about 10 years mm-hmm. into in, about 10 years into my career, uh I was inspired. I uh started writing poetry again. And in the Marine Corps, that was a weird thing because most Marines do not write poetry. Too soft. And so
0: it's too gentle. Perhaps. Yeah. Like I, men, I had some it's not curious. Yeah.
1: I had some curious uh conversations with some of my fellow Marine officers. They're like, are you gay? And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah,
0: but looking I'm at sure you age- the not sure what people don't see you on camera and um, this is another not on camera but you are very very masculine you're everything else
1: but oh well, thank, too you. Gentle. thank you but i think
0: your your soul is gentle you're deeply spiritual Absol- you Absolutely. Became, well, are you,
1: yeah no it's um i've always had this relationship with what is my who is my creator what is my creator what what is that relationship and And it was always kind of tied up in my love my romance and i was trying to reconcile love for creator with romantic love and that was just that kind of led me to this last book but um i was really inspired when i started writing poetry again just because it was like this i turned a valve on that i thought i had turned permanently off and i was like oh my god this is so cool And so I got out of the Marines in 2006 and immediately fell in love with yoga, which we can talk about in terms of the spirituality. But I realized for the first time in my life, I wasn't going to be moving every two or three years. And it was this realization that, oh my gosh, I can get to learn a town. I can get to become familiar with the place I live and really kind of set roots. And that was the basis for wanting to write. And so for 11 years after I got out, I tried to write horror stories and I would sit down and this is all I'm still doing. I'm I'm a yoga instructor now. I'm working a full-time job for corporate America. And I was trying to write on the side. And I always wanted to write horror stories because I loved like Frankenstein growing up. I love Stephen King. Like I still, when I look at just the journeys that Stephen King can take you on as an author, it's fascinating to me. And so I I would sit down and I would write out, you know, over a couple of weeks, a hundred pages And the story would feel flimsy and the characters, like the idea I had, I couldn't make it come to life. I just didn't know what it meant to really invest into characters to bring a story to life. And so I'd get discouraged and I'd put it away and 18 months would go by and I would travel and work and everything else and have another idea. And that went on for 11 years and then finally in 2017, I read Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, and that book transformed my life because in the first or second chapter of the book, he says, what is the purpose of your life? And when he asked that question, Vivian, it was like a sledgehammer to my soul. It was like, my life has a purpose. like There's a compass that I can navigate and refine and orient to to become something where I am impacting people and transforming lives. And that set me on the path to writing my first book that's that's amazing yeah
0: life is all about purpose you know when you think it about is. it it is all about purpose uh, meaning and, and and purpose and not just to to do something uh, positive for ourselves but also for the world around us you know it's very Absolutely. important so uh, yeah but you know now i'm i'm really excited about this book uh, live your life living like like you are in a movie i love that that book, I love that Thank title you. because movies make us care, they make us believe in possibilities, they make us feel, they allow us to dream, and I think we live in the world of our feelings. And uh, I think that's a great and, and you give so much great advice. Uh, in, you know, when you uh, when you uh, in the in this book, so uh, first you say take inventory of your life, right? Isn't that your right? What you would say? Well, the
1: whole whole premise behind living like you're in a movie is, you know, it's the way that history has evolved. Even just over the last twenty or thirty years, is fantastic because when I grew up, we had three TV channels, and so everyone got this. We all got the same kind of feed in terms of this is what life is. You know, you might read a newspaper or something, but the ability to get information and retain information was came at the expense of time, like you had to go to a library, you had to have encyclopedias, you had to go seek out knowledge that we now have available on our at our fingertips.
0: Fingertips,
1: And, And so, you know, as certainly pre pandemic before I really had the idea of what this book was going to become, I was Fascinated by how much we were becoming addicted to our smartphones, and I think the the statistics at the time said we were checking our phones 110 times a day or something, but we're touching our phones 2,500 times a day. So this has become like an extension of who we are. It's become our outboard brain, as I've heard some people call it. Mm -hmm. And when I started to look at you know this kind of the cultural things that were happening between. The obsession over stuff that was happening that we couldn't control if you look on the news and there's all of the stuff that we always worry about whether it's the presidency or the other side or whatever the case may yeah. be and um this fear of missing out this FOMO that suddenly became a thing you know a few years back where people were f- afraid of missing out and as I looked at this book and what it became was like I want to take total accountability for my life sure. I want to take total responsibility for my life I want to create the life that I want to live and to do that, living like you're in a movie puts you in charge because now it's a question of who's writing my script, who or who has been writing my script, who's been directing this thing because, you know, and what what kind of story have I been telling? Is it a tragedy? Is it a comedy? Is it a romance? Is it an adventure? And as I started to really dive into it, just the concept expanded and opened so beautifully for me because now it became, well, who's my supporting cast? Who are the people that i'm surrounding myself with are those These people that are helping me Christians. grow yes. yeah like is it people Some that are helping point. me grow or people that are holding me back are they oh. people that are keeping me in my comfort zone because you know it's what i like to call living in the land of reruns do you do the same thing week after week and yeah. then weekend after weekend you're out numbing. with the same people yeah it, it is Mundane, numbing. it really is numbing
0: it's boring it's a it's a terrible and, ter- terrible thing uh, I, I think that's great to, first of all, when you ask these questions, you know, am I living the life that I want to live and not just follow, listen to the opinions of others? I did that too. Uh, uh, for a long, long time, I did that and I freed myself of this. And I think it, your way of thinking is, is it just confirms, you know, my belief really so uh yeah that's the that's the and it's all a question of interpretation too the way we see life
1: right it really is well and that's that's such a great example to bring up right is because if we go back a few years like especially in the united states i just saw an article headline that said there's a poll that came out and most of america blame the media for dividing the nation i'm like well that's reasonable because you look at one side mm-hmm. they promote the republicans the other side repose Most of the Democrats, and yet what we've created is two views of reality. If you, especially if you are very politically oriented, or you're saying my view of the world is shaped by CNN or shaped by Fox News or shaped by whomever, because then you're saying that's what the world is. Trump is either a paragon of virtue or he is a terrible villain, and but that creates two different realities. And you kind of have to step back and say. This is a corporation who their sole it function, is, regardless of, yeah, it's a business and their their profits increase the more they get people to click on their web pages. Like that's, and that's kind of the simplest so way to right. s- and so then it becomes a question. And it's not way. like it used that.
0: to be, right? Yeah. It's not, it, 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 it's David, not because it used, it's be yes. yeah. it used to be more vanilla. Yes. It used to be more vanilla and it was the, like,
1: it, they just broadcast they recorded, what the news was. They weren't.
0: Yeah. Right. And now it's opinions. They give you. Well, it's opinion,
1: the, their it's,
0: opinion. It's the 24-hour news cycle. It's the 24 yeah. Yes, yes. You have a good point there, really. So it just, <clears throat> we need to take charge and, and trust in the integrity of our own mind to weigh it and then step away from all that negativity when we cannot control what's going on outside in the world. If we can control, we can actually only control how we react to, to other people that's we are in control of that, but we cannot control many things that are not in our control. So it's a waste of energy. Yes, be informed. Uh, uh, that is very important. But then let go and put your energy where it's more productive.
1: Absolutely. Well, I, I like to I like to invoke what Gandhi said when he said, "Be the change you want to see in the world." And the idea of living like you're in a movie is what program do you wanna watch 24 hours a day? Because right. that's what your life is. Your life is a program kind of, and it's a question yeah. of you can do reruns, you get really good at that, or you can say, you know what? I'm gonna grow every day. I wanna become more. And also I wanna contribute the beauty that I have sculpted and found within me to the world because that's, and that's really what this book became was this is the, well, I'm working on a sequel, but I will say, I still kind of look at this is the most beautiful love story that i could imagine and the more i step into what it means to me the more i feel like oh my gosh i see the world so differently now because i see that everybody has an individual gift and that's the biggest shift that kind of the information age has brought us right is 50 years ago you know coming or 70 years ago even coming out of world war ii especially here in the United States, we became a production factory. It was Henry Ford's assembly line churned through everything that we produced during World War II. And we said, this is the way that we are going to create a world economy. And that's what the United States did. And now what's what's happened is we don't want this corporate cookie cutter approach to how we live life. There's all this opportunity for individuality and expression and an individual identity. And that's really the gift when you see that, you know, I went to, I took my daughter to see Taylor Swift in Atlanta this past weekend. And, you know, Taylor Swift has 210 million followers on one of her social media accounts. And you realize this is a force of nature. Like she has a platform and she's very conscious of it. She is she is not flippant, but, but it makes me appreciate that we're living in a very different world that is not necessarily focused on Centralized government as the end all be all for what we need to focus on.
0: Right, right. That's that's very interesting. And what you also say, um, I like that. What you said, we when we when we, when I talk about life being uh, about interpretation, how we interpret everything. You know, uh, uh, when you say, for instance, uh, you can see the world uh, uh, coming. At us, right? Is that the way you formulated this? It.
1: It's it's the, the idea that life happens for you, happens, not to you.
0: Yeah. yeah so the, the life is of, happening I, to us, right? And that's that's already kind of a, a you already have your your you already prepared to fight. It's like a tug of war. You know, there's life, there's me. You know, there's and, and I I'm at, constantly at at war. Whereas when you say life is, life is happening for us, it's a whole different, it changes the whole dynamic. You know it's it really how we does. perceive these yeah. things, how we see how we see it. It's all to have the right mindset. And I really like it, that quote when you when you quoted that that is an amazing quote. But uh, really the idea is uh, to start first of all, go to your core, right? Find out who you are. I, I have to give you this little story. It's about you, but I still need to tell you this. When I was 14 years old, I looked in the mirror. I was always a seeker and a searcher. Uh, and I looked in the mirror and I said, who am I? Who is Viva? That's my nickname, Viva. Who am I? I asked that question in the mirror. Would you believe it, David? I lost all, I lost all conceptions of body and mind and i thought and then all of a sudden i came back and i it was something where i thought i must never tell someone people would will, will think i'm crazy you know and uh, so i never told anyone until maybe 40 years later i told uh, i told my husband when i felt more uh, you know i felt secure. and, and but um, what i actually did i i i think i stepped out of body and mind And it was the observer that came out. That is how I see it today. But at the time I thought it was, I I was crazy. We need to go ask ourselves, why are we here? What are we here for? You know, and uh, so I think uh, David, you have a good point. Go to your core, right? And uh, find out uh, what you're all about. That's your idea. And uh, and then do what you have to do. Find out your authentic self. Find out what am I good at, uh, and also have in mind what can I do for others. Not always what what can I get me me me. So uh, well, David, and that goes go I, I, yeah.
1: I was I was just going to say that goes back to first. I I want to attribute the the quote. Life happens. For us not to us that's uh straight from tony robbins and i've, I've been to several of his events since 2017.
0: yeah you but mentioned that, that you also,
1: but but it, that also ties into the movie concept too right because the beautiful thing about every movie is it always works itself out and for me when i started to go down this path first it was i mean i've been working on i worked on this book for three years and i wrote my first book in six months I wrote my second book in nine months. If you had told me that I was going to spend three years trying to figure out how to tell a story, I kind of it's would have laughed. But, I, but, but then I realized that was the journey that I needed to go on to be able to tell the story that I wanted to tell. And when I looked at that, the beauty of, you know, it's, it's this idea that there is, there has to be something higher. There has to be a higher intelligence, whether you call it God, whether you call it the universe, but there has yes. to be something that you attribute a to when you power. look at- yes higher power. And so, you know, the Greeks gave us deus ex machina, God in the machine. And that's why they said all plays always used to work out, whether it was Shakespeare. And that's the same thing is true in movies. There's always, you know, it's the director, but it's the storytelling, but it's the acting. And I just looked at that from life and said, well, I want to attribute that to my life too. There is a higher power and my life is always going to work out. And it kind of goes back to this idea that Life isn't happening to me because that is a victim state mentality. Life is happening for me, which means how can I discern the best meaning or the highest meaning out of this encounter with someone so that I can either serve them or I can learn something from them that's going to help me on my journey.
0: And what you're saying is you first have to transform yourself in order to transform the world, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah we need to uh, uh, first uh, uh, do our part but uh, i really uh, <clears throat> i think it's uh, it's time to uh, to do more more uh, for others or more what can we how we can, can we better the world a little bit every little thing we do has a, makes a dent into the in the universe it does make a dent because it's a chain reaction you know, so uh, I think that is good, and uh, having purpose is great. Also, what you do is you help others find purpose, and that's a that's a beautiful big deal, I think. And uh, you're also talking about the inner strengths. I totally believe that. Connect with that higher power inside, that inner strength. You know, you can call it God. You can call it give it any name you want, but there is a higher power. And I, I connect with it. It's like, you know, I often said, the, make the example like you can, in order to dry your hair, you have to take the blow dryer and plug it in. Otherwise, you're not going to get the energy. Here, the same thing with us. We have to plug in, go to your core. You know, go deep. Do the inner work. Do the inner work. And this is what you are saying. And this is... Uh, um, it, it, it is, it's great. And imagination, you know, have imagination, you know, Einstein said it so well. He said, Imaginator is imagination is greater than knowledge because it's limitless. You know, yep. every big thing started with a thought, with imagination. Imagination is a, is a big deal. So uh, there are ways to go about it. And, uh, and uh, when you look, for something. If you look, what am I good at? I searched for, I mean, I had a pretty tough background uh, and I had to search and seek to find out what I could be good at. But there's actually a saying, if Carl Jung, you know, the philosopher Carl Jung, Mm -hmm. I think he would say, he said it so well. He said, uh, one that looks outside dreams and one that looks within uh, is actually awakening.
1: It's beautiful. Well, much, and it's so true because- There's
0: much to it, yes.
1: You know, it's so funny because in this day and age, you know, everyone, when Facebook came online first, people wanted to be liked and it was this, kind of this, the old high school popularity contest. How can yeah. how many likes can I get, how, let me give my best life. And what I came to realize over the course of the past three years, especially coming out of the pandemic was, we we're all storytellers it doesn't, I mean, you can be working a nine to five job at Wendy's or McDonald's. You can be producing movies, you know, you could be Steven Spielberg, but we are all storytellers. And when you start to realize that you realize, well, how do I make my story the best story it can possibly be? And that requires, and it demands the internal work, but that's where the reward is. And I just finished reading, I shouldn't say just, but a few months back, I read Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights, fascinating book. And it's cool because he narrates it. I listened to it on Audible. And so you get the Matthew McConaughey, Texas slang to it. But you see, you know, he took two years off from Hollywood because he didn't want to do rom-coms anymore. And that was the soul searching period for him where he wanted to be taken as a serious actor and to grow. And just through the what he relates in the book, you realize he took that time because it was time for kind of a reinvention or rediscovery. And the, the the more you dig into who you are, the greater your ability to communicate your gift to the world becomes. And like when I I mean, I I become such an admirer of Tony Robbins because you see that here's someone who's dedicated 46 years of his entire existence
0: me too. to me too serving me. people
1: at the highest level. It's it's fascinating. It's, it's just fascinating. But you realize that's you know, every every story of triumph has a Painful story at its start. Oprah was sexually abused when she was young. Sylvester Stallone had to sell his dog to make ends meet before he got Rocky. I mean, you know, Tony Robbins had four fathers. Had a tough life too. Yeah. Yeah, and so you realize everyone gets hit. Everyone gets punched in the face in some way, shape, or form. And but it's up to you to walk through the door to become the greatest version of yourself that you can be.
0: But these things are what make us resilient. You know, challenges, there need to be challenges. Otherwise we'd still be in a sandbox. You know, this is how we learn. This is how we learn. This is our, our, you know, really our true potential comes out in adversity, you know, and we need to see the value, the higher value in those challenges. I see them. I went through a lot of adversity challenges, but I'm so grateful that I am, I've become who I am because of that. And the same thing is empathy. We are only going to, you know, the empathy is really built in tough times, but should be applied all the time. You know, our own pain taught us to be feeling and loving toward others. You know, these are the experiences of our life, but we need to learn from the experiences. What have I learned here? You know, I always ask. I always ask myself, you know, Next week I'll be 80 and I was just talking to uh, Larry and uh, and Eric how I still want to learn and grow and I feel there's so much still out there that I want to do and to have that enthusiasm for life, to be optimistic, I think is is very, very important uh, and also you have there's that emerging energy to do something new, you know, for all of us. I, it's never of, for- finished.
1: I know we're not on video for your show, but I was putting you in your late fifties. So that's amazing.
0: Uh, <laughs> thank you. You're <laughs> that's, very kind. But, you're, but, but you're,
1: but you're yeah. right. It's, but it's that idea that there is life is about learning. Life is about growth. And that's yes. the other big transformation and shift that's happened is there was a time, certainly in American history was you got your job and that's who you were. And you did that until retirement and then you faded off into the sunset. And now it's, it's not. It's especially because we have this abundance of information that we can call up on our computers, right. on our phones and instantly educate ourselves. And the other the other beautiful thing that I'm really excited about have been inspired by lately is I'll give you a great example of this. Um, I uh, so I've done. So Tony, with a pandemic, has started taking his programs online. But that opened me up to learning from Jim Quick, who is a brain coach. Um, I just last week said, you know what, I um, saw Natalie Portman on masterclass.com and she does a class on acting. I want to take Natalie Portman's class on acting. So I'm learning from visionary leaders who now have made themselves available online. And that is such a better use of my time than doom scrolling on Instagram yeah. because I want to see more funny cat videos. Like it's just, you I know- mean, there's, it's a night and day
0: we are, we live in, a, in a, such a different time uh, where we have this technology, which is a great thing. You know, I mean, information as we talk about this is at our fingertips, uh, but people are more and more, uh, spend more and more time on these gadgets and don't find, take the time to turn inward. And that's when the, the coronavirus that pandemic actually I saw a lot of good in it. I thought it would. This is a time for reflection. We get back to our center, you know, because we are here. We have all instruments. We go to the moon and further, and we can do all kinds of things. Yet we cannot. We cannot handle our lives, you know. That is the question. So where is the importance? You have to ask what is. Where is the importance here? I think every single person wants to be happy and fulfilled. And in order to have that inner dignity of living a meaningful and truly loved and fulfilled life, you have to work from within.
1: Absolutely agree, hundred percent agree. Well, and and, and that's ultimately uh, this is the great thing that's where I think we're headed. I'm just reading this book now called um, "The Sovereign Individual," and it's it's based on. I think they wrote it in 1999, but it's based on that with the new millennium, we're saying goodbye to kind of the old paradigm of the nation state and everything. And it's gonna kind of be more, more about the sovereign. And certainly when you look at Taylor Swift or other people, it it's, it's there. But regardless of what you believe to be true about life, how long it lasts, what happens after we, you know, when we die, all that stuff, you have to reconcile that with the consciousness that you are today. Like at some point you have to say, okay, if I believe something about life or about life after death or whatever the case may be, I want to reconcile that with this person, this spirit, this being now. And when you do that, it opens your world up completely differently. And that is, but that's only accomplished through the internal journey. And that's I was watching um oh, when we we're in the hotel in Atlanta, I was watching The Matrix on TV. And uh, there's a point where um, Lawrence Fishburne is talking with Keanu Reeves and he says, no, I can't make you, I can open the door, but you have to walk through it basically. Yeah. And that is true for every single person on the planet. Someone can open the door for you, but you're the one who has to walk through it. And that the yeah. beauty is you get to walk through it. It takes courage. It takes perseverance. But when you do that internal work and see that there is something greater inside you and something that you can sculpt and refine and, contribute and impact the world and be fulfilled at the same time it becomes i like i see why people become obsessed about what their purpose is because you realize oh my gosh this thing is feeding me and making me become more and at the same time i'm getting to contribute to a greater and greater level of audience david yeah. Thank- i have a
2: i have a quick question um when you when you had talked about you like searching for your purpose and and things i think a lot of people I think a lot of people kind of know what their purpose is, but they're scared to follow that purpose. And then there's other people who are like, I don't know what my purpose is or what I'm here for. So what would you tell people how to go about that to find their purpose or to find, yeah, their purpose? And, and, Larry, and obviously a- this is like a big, long, I mean, it's not like an overnight thing, I think. It, but no, but no. is there it but is there an aha moment and then that's what you kind of have to follow in searching who you are and your purpose does that
1: make sense it it does let me let me start with when i saw that question from an Napoleon hill it was probably december or late december early january uh 2016 2017 the question stopped me in my tracks and what the first thing i did was I grabbed a notebook and a pen and I wrote down the purpose of my life is, and then whatever flow just came from that. And it was, I think my mm. first purpose statement was the purpose of my life is to help people find their purpose in life. Oh, and yeah. what I came to realize though, and this was this was really the revelation that opened me up to being a writer, because when I wrote, I struggled with like what is. When do I get to the flow where I don't have to think about what I'm writing, it just comes out? Like, what is that? And I couldn't I couldn't figure that out for the first 11 years that I was trying to be a writer. And then when I read this question, I was like, oh my gosh, okay. And mm. that opened me up to the power of something that I think we have forgotten in today's society. And that is how to write by hand. Because so many people are used to texting. So many people are used to being on the computers. But if you wanna develop, at least for me, it, I developed a relationship with myself by picking up a pen I have now over the last three years I probably have 20 journals that I filled out over the course of that time yeah. about 15 of them were focused on trying to figure out how to tell the story of in love letters but also it was who is this who is this person and how do I develop a relationship with myself and for me that's what the pen and paper did and what I tell people now is even I told this to my daughter I'm like if you If you aren't journaling on at least a daily or every other day basis you're you're going to struggle with who you are because if you can if you just sort of think about it in thoughts or texts Mm -hmm. you're not really developing that inter that inner relationship that vivian has talked about that you know getting into your core yeah but when you when you the first time you sit down with a pen and paper and write i love you you are writing that to yourself about yourself Right, and that opens you up to this idea. And so, for me, the 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 thing that has transformed it, it really did transform my writing. There was a great book called Writing Down the Bones. Can't remember the author's name, but she says, take a you know, grab your phone, set a timer for five minutes, and then grab a pen and paper. And once the timer starts, don't let the pen come off the page. Mm. Don't and just write. Don't worry about what's coming out. Don't right, worry about right. margins. Don't worry about spelling. Just let this pour out. And the first time I did that, Larry, it was like, I had, I was skeptical. I was like, this is ridiculous, but obviously I'm, I have not published a book at this point and this woman has, so I'm going to do what she says. And I started the timer and I think I said it for like three or four minutes. And when the timer went off, I had four pages of material. Wow. And I was, yeah, I was like, where did that come from? Like what, what produced that? And what I found was it was a way to, Stop premeditating my life and starting getting closer to being who I actually wanted to be. Wow.
2: Wow. Because That's there's really that connection. Oh,
1: it is. Yeah. It is. There's, and,
2: and it's, and it's very true because like your phone is so cold and it's so disconnected and you're thinking of what you're trying to say and it comes out all wrong. But when you touch that pin, and it's that it's that physical. Really, it's like life and people surrounding yeah. us and next to us. Right? It's that it's that physical contact that once you the once reality. you have that contact, yeah, yeah. and it just it, it cements the fact of who you are. And really, and yeah. really quick, Vivian, uh, David is that stream of consciousness is really who we really are when we don't self edit ourselves and we just let it go. That,
0: that's our that true speaks self. volumes.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, that's our true self. Absolutely. But you know,
0: David, if I tell you that I wrote the manuscript for my first book all by hand, would you believe that? I'm constantly that's writing fantastic. by hand. I do. I, I believe that.
2: Yes. In, <laughs> in the
0: afternoon, I have my coffee and I have my uh, my paper and my pen. It's, it's like my best friends. And I write and people often just pass by and say, oh, you have a beautiful penmanship. <laughs> they hardly ever see anyone writing you know yeah. yes and also David what you're saying is when you write when you have a goal in your head write that goal down you know you yes. see it in front of you that's what I do too everything I write down really so I, I think that's a really really good point and but in, in general it is really what is important is that we set a goal and and you know, set a foundation and to a routine, and then dedicate yourself to that uh, routine and show up for it. Mm-hmm. You know, the important mm-hmm. thing is don't just set a goal, but show up for it. Do it. You know, talking about it is not enough. Application. Apply it. Apply, apply what you want to do, yeah. not just talk. Talk is cheap.
1: Yes, right, David absolutely absolutely well you have to take action like you have to take action that's what i yes. came to appreciate and it was just real quick when i when i started this journey for love letters i had the idea the initial idea for the book came in 2019 october of 2019 i was breaking up from a relationship and had this idea but it was more it wasn't it wasn't what the book became and then the pandemic started and i had i went to see a, i went to a mastermind in santa barbara with jack canfield Uh, and it was super surreal because everything was shutting down. There was no one on the LA traffic, like LA was deserted. It was so surreal. And I came back from that and Jack had given me some great advice because I was promoting my second book and then talking about this book. And when I finally, like I I had this spiritual moment of inspiration that said, this is the direction I'm going to take this book. I saw something I'm like, I'm committed to writing this story. And what I was writing at the time was kind of these, I was writing by hand in a journal. It was this conversation between two different color pens. I had a blue pen and a green pen. And one was the voice of conditional love. And the other one was the voice of unconditional love. And every weekend I would rewrite this outline basically because that's what it was becoming was an outline. I still have the, the journals. And then by May, you know, May, probably late May, the, the story really started to get context, like I could start to see some of the characters fleshing themselves out. But I couldn't write, like I, cu- I couldn't, I could I knew where I wanted to take the story, but I couldn't write that story. And so by the end of May, I stopped, I stopped trying to write the story. And I said, I'm going to journal until I figure out how to tell this thing. And wow. that was two years of journaling trying to whittle everything through, but that was the inner work because I was writing to myself, trying to figure out what is this? What story yeah. am I trying to tell? Mm-hmm. And I remember it took me until November of 2021. I was so frustrated because this thing had been going on for two years now. And I asked myself that question out loud. I'm like, what is this? What am I trying to tell? And that's when it came back to me, Love Letters to the Virgin Mary. And I said, okay, that's it. I've got the title. Just the, and
0: the dormant Force Was, was Awakened you know, it was, that was it. You, was it, but waiting? you kind of have to,
1: but you kind not that's, the, but that's the whole journey, right? You have to, you have to become obsessed by, it. you have to allow yourself to say, I'm going to, Ooh. like, I'm going to, I saw this, you know, I saw this moment in April of 2020, where I'm like, I've got this, this is pure bliss. This is everything that I've ever hoped could writing could be, and I'm going to find a way oh, to wonderful. do it. And it, it took what that journey, but that's that's but that's where the work is, right? That's where the work yeah. is is to yes. say, I'm I'm not going to push this aside and say I'm going to just stay happy in corporate America. I'm going to step into the arena and say, okay, I'm going to figure out what this thing is, yeah. you know, yeah. and I'm not going to be I'm not going to be defeated. I will be victorious. Yep.
2: Yeah.
0: Absolutely. You persevere. It's all about uh, uh, determination and perseverance. Uh, but when you mentioned the word unconditional love, let's touch on that. You know, sure. unconditional love is is loving without an object, accepting, right? No judging, no moralizing. Right. And it people always see it as this, oh, this fuzzy thing, unconditional love is just this uh, physical or affection. It's not. It's experiencing the harmonies of life.
1: It really is. Well, it's accepting that everyone is on their journey, and just because they may believe something different from you, or just because they have a different experience than you, in no way nullifies their journey or their experience, and it's this idea that if you want to retain, you know, you talked about young earlier, and I've been part of what I'm doing for my follow-up book is this idea without going too far into the plot line for Love Letters to the Virgin Mary, but it's the idea that Dave, King David is reconstituting his soul and bringing these elements of his soul back together. And when you look at Young, he did the warrior archetype, the sovereign archetype, the lover and the magician. And tons of books have been written about them, but there's one on the sovereign that says, you know, if you really wanna retain your sovereignty, you'll respect that everyone has their sovereignty. And when you, when you come to that realization, it is the great equalizer. It doesn't matter if you've been, you know, if you're the president of the United States, you are still a, you still have something inside you that I respect and see as equal to me. And when you realize that everyone is on their journey, then it's a question of, oh my gosh, well, how can my experience and my life and my voice contribute to this person on their journey so that they can be more fulfilled, more impacted and more impactful in their own lives. And so that's really kind of the the trick is to understand that it doesn't matter what we look like. It doesn't matter what no, you believe, you know, those are your your beliefs and you have to reconcile them as long as there's no
0: But respect conflict, for others, yeah.
1: Exactly, and the it, has become, give, it has to come from respect.
0: Give them validation too. You know, it's yep. uh, absolutely, I, be, I believe I treat people with grace and I only see the unfolding of, the greater power in every soul. That's how I, I. we need to understand, I think that's one of the most important things is that we're so deeply interconnected with one another. We breathe the same air, walk the same ground, you know, have the same thought, the same feelings. We are more connected than, than we believe. And when we understand that everything is one, I think we treat, we are kinder. We will become kinder. We treat people uh, better more more understanding I think all this is you have to really think, uh, think about that but in general I would say you mentioned the word uh, courage how important is courage how important it is willpower and courage are very very important in life and I think uh, uh, you know also when you're vulnerable for instance when I wrote my whole story about my life I put things on the table, you know, that people probably wouldn't wouldn't uh, uh, um, wouldn't write, you know, people like to keep their little secrets, you know, it it maybe doesn't look so perfect, but I did not want to cheat the reader. So I just it is I, I realized it made me vulnerable. But vulnerability is courage, you know, to the courage to say to be honest and to be open and transparent. And uh, and I think that builds bridges and it connects with
1: people. Well, and that's, I mean, that's Brene Brown, right? Vulnerability is new courage, but that's, vulnerability is also the new connection. And that's like, I go back to Taylor Swift and her talking about, you know, she's a 10 minute song to about Jake Gyllenhaal when they dated and they broke up. And you realize that is, This incredibly raw, vulnerable thing. And she even said during her concert, I when this, when I first wrote this, I had trouble performing it live. And now she's in a much better place. And you realize when we're vulnerable, when we share something about ourselves that we're afraid to share, that's the way we connect with people. And I'll never forget this. When I was, I was had (laughs) because when I when I shifted my writing experience to say, okay, I'm not gonna write horror stories anymore, I'm gonna write. Development stories, and I'm going to share my life, which you know there were things at the time that I wasn't proud of or I didn't understand what the lessons were. But I remember telling someone about this, and it was a, a salesperson who I worked with, and we were in my office and we talked about. I haven't even written the book yet, but we talked about what it was going to be about. And then I walked her outside because I had to escort her out to the building, and she, you know, we hugged or shook hands, and she said, "You changed my life." And I said, "Ah, oh, thanks for saying that." And she stopped me and she grabbed my arm. She said, "No." you changed my life. And it was in that moment that I realized the vulnerability was what keeps us together because we, we put on this shield or this armor that says oh, mm-hmm. I've done nothing wrong or like whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's not really the authentic part of us. The authentic part of us uh, is, man, I tried stuff and I failed miserably. And it was only when I picked myself up off the ground that I realized this is a gift. Like this is a gift by which I get to grow and learn and get stronger and become better and then it becomes a question of okay well what how big a blow can i take and still keep standing and still keep getting up and you just realize that after a while it's not that the lessons become painful they become more subtle because you realize there is this idea this this validation that life is happening for you and it's when this person comes into my life what does this mean How do I serve them? What do I take away from them? How do I grow from this experience? And when that happens, it just opens you up to, just like you said, the universality of our connection. And that's really, when I look back on what the pandemic did, it equalized us to a large extent because certainly from a corporate perspective, now, you know, I was at a company at the time where every month our CEO would get on and talk with the entire company. Well, he used to do that from his office or wherever he was visiting and traveling around the world, now he's doing it from his dining room. And it's like, oh my gosh, he's just like me during the pandemic, he's stuck at home too. And it was this kind of great revelation that, wow, there really is the sense that we all are equal. even now, I mean, look at the, what technology has afforded us to do. We're across, you know, separated by the country, but able to connect in a very profound way And that's something that we can do globally now. Like I've had conversations with people in the UK, with people in India, and it's beautiful because as our ability to connect globally increases, we're going to understand the commonality of the human experience regardless of cultural, ethnic, traditional backgrounds.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's, uh, you have so much to say, David, you're the most interesting person. I could talk to you for hours.
1: Thank you, thank you. Yes, and want
0: more and more information from you, even though I think because a lot of things I think alike with you, uh, because I've always been the thinker and, and searcher. But uh, you just validate a lot of you know the things that I've already thought, and this makes me feel good. That it tells me I'm on the right path. You know, it takes people like you. But you have so many facets. It's amazing how many facets you have, and. And you don't let anything stay dormant, which I like because, you know, we were talking about the higher power has given us life and given us... uh, uh, Everybody has somewhat greatness, but in a lot of them, people, they let it fall asleep. You know, we need to dig and find out. uh, And and that is our gift back, what we do with this life. Don't you think? This most precious life...
1: well, I know, I was going to say, I appreciate you saying I have a lot of facets. I, I always look at that as like, I didn't know what the heck I was going to do for my life until I became a writer. Um, but it's true. But it's, but it's also very true in that I, I had no plan. Like I did not have a plan. When I got out of the military, my focus was on get a job and then figure out what life outside the uniform is like. And I immediately fell in love with yoga. That wasn't part of my plan. But for me, that connected me to my childhood and growing up in Japan, because I was exposed to Eastern culture and Eastern philosophy. And I started yeah. meditating when I was 13, which wow. certainly was uncommon. Like My friends would be going to uncommon. football games on weekends yeah. or drink, you know, going to parties. And I was sitting in my parents' living room with a Japanese sword in front of me, trying to meditate and find stillness. Wow. Um, but, but you realize that it's all connected and... When I looked at this idea, this whole idea and concept of living like you're in a movie and you're the lead in your movie specifically, it was, I want to make sense of my entire life, not be, not try to dismiss the parts that I wasn't proud of or ashamed by and say, okay, what is, how do I fit this all into a story that I can identify with that brings me back to my core and at the same time is going to serve and impact other people's lives. And that's ultimately, I mean, that's like, you you said it so beautifully is it's, we, we have been given a gift. This life is a gift and it is completely up to us what we do with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, to think of it, to think of it, David, that I tried to end my life at the age of 17. Of course I was young and thought life is, it's always going to be like that. I was at the low point and now I embrace it. I love life. I make the most of it. And I constantly uh, 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 believe in the, always think of the preciousness of life. You know, I I reinforce that belief in the preciousness of life. But you've gone through when you you were in the military and Eric, uh, our co-host, he's in the back there, (laughs) the cameraman, he is... uh, he always thanks the troops. He's always so grateful, you know, thanks the troops. And you have yep. really been in, he's been in combat. It was amazing. Your story is amazing. It would uh, interest you, Eric, to hear that side of uh, of David when he was uh, in Somalia. Right, David?
1: It's, uh, i I was fortunate that um, the combat I was in was relatively peaceful. It was, um, it was what, what the funny thing that when you were talking about that, that came to me was uh, so obviously Somalia is very arid, very dry. And uh, we wore our desert uniforms. If you ever saw the footage from back then, we had desert uniforms on, but I was on ship. I was on the ship with the Navy and we were basically, we left San Diego in October of 1992, We went to Singapore, and then we were supposed to go up to Kuwait to do some training, but we got diverted to Somalia for Operation Restore Hope. And unfortunately, we were supposed to be equipped with desert boots, but they couldn't get the supplies to us quickly enough. So, you know, I don't know how many U.S. forces ended up being there, but we were the only ones with black boots. Uh, to the Somalis, that meant we were like this elite special force, and we kind of were because we were the first uh-huh. Americans there. But they they said, "Do not mess with the black boots," because they believed <laughs> if if they got shot by one of our, you know, if they got even grazed by a bullet from one of our guns, they would die. They believed we were invulnerable. I remember telling this to uh, I was being interviewed by someone from the San Francisco Chronicle. Yeah, it was this it was this fascinating thing, all because of a supply mix up. But our black boots uh, made a difference. but it was, but it was also, I mean, that was fascinating because Somalia at the time in Mogadishu, in particular the capital city, that was the first time I'd seen a city in decay. Like you just saw there was no electricity, there was no running water. It was like a city that had been abandoned. you know it was it was almost like this massive Hollywood set, and it was just this dilapidated city. Where you could go to the food market and you'd see a slab of beef, you know, on a wheelbarrow covered with flies, and that was fresh meat for them. And mm-hmm. it was just this incredibly humanizing humbling experience to go just where people wanted, like, even just a basic food you know we I know I've heard in the United States we throw away so much food per year. And here these people just wanted a little bit of food just to get by. So it was an incredible, we were only there for two months before we got back on ship because by then enough forces had flown in. Um, But it was incredible. It was a, it was a beautiful experience because we're there for Christmas and we got to distribute food during Christmas when I was really thankful for that. It was just a beautiful experience, but also uh, just eye opening to see, you know, how a, a portion of the world lives.
0: But Eric you know. is one of those who always uh, thanks the troops. And uh, I do, too. I love this country, America. Yes. But my yes. first experience was when I was in Berlin, a child, in 1948, when uh, uh, Berlin was uh, cut off from all supplies. And the Americans launched a year-long air um, airlift. And they uh, dropped food and supplies on our city. And that was my first experience with the... Uh, Americans and uh, I always find them to be brave and open-hearted and now I'm an American citizen. Mm. I'm proud of it and uh, we can, this country still has so much potential but we have to pay our dues, we have to put the work in, not ask what can you do for me, you know. It's that old uh, saying from Kennedy who said uh, ask not what you what your country can do for you but what can you do for your country. Take that to heart. You know, yeah. uh, think first, what can I do? You know, so that was my first experience with, uh, with the uh, Americans. I remember the American soldiers sitting on their lap, giving, <laughs> they gave us candy, which was a big deal, you know, in <laughs> a, a destroyed city Berlin, but we all have our story to tell. But David, your story is amazing. You're an amazing person. I'm proud to have you on this, um, uh, on our podcast. Uh, people will learn a lot from you and, uh, have you got anything more to uh, an end? Uh, something to say at the end for us?
1: Ah, uh, Vivian, Eric, Larry, thank you so much for having me on. This has been an absolute pleasure. I can't believe the time has flown by so quickly. Yeah. What I'd love to re- what I'd love to leave your audience with is, you are the greatest project and greatest story you were ever, ever tell, and it is completely up to you, to make that the performance of a lifetime. Like that's, That's that is your gift to the world. That's your gift to yourself. Yes,
0: That's a beautiful message. Uh, David, thank you so much for being on this show. Uh, It was a wonderful experience for all of us. And uh, uh, we wish you uh, all the best in the future and uh, keep giving back. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing what you're doing.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Well, David, we just want to thank you once again for coming on the show today to share your amazing stories. And like Vivian said, at the end of pretty much all the podcasts on the Something Something Network, we always say this, remember everybody, support our troops.